your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not complete. Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. It's our final show with Ben. He's going to be off and uh, becoming a father maybe in the next 24 to 36 hours. You better that make this a so good weird. You better make this a good show then. No pressure, right? Well, we had a great stream earlier today on SNBL, so yeah, no pressure to follow it up, right? Yeah. If only there was some news that broke today that would make this show go <laughs> a little better. Yeah, Austin had it in the ticker. It's what everyone's been talking about today. It's the J.D. Spielman announcement that he has entered the transfer portal. I do want to make one correction to what Austin said, that J.D. needs to sit out a year. That is true if he stays at the Division One level, but he could transfer down and play right away. He could go D2. He could go D3. He could go NAI and play right away. Now, you may sit there and scoff at that a little bit, but I, I could see a case where he'd go D2 and play right away and get ready for the NFL. We'll, we'll get, get that's just out there. But uh, JD, we heard this when Scott Frost had his press conference before spring practice back in March that JD had left the team, that he had some things he was working on. And I, I think the, the longer this dragged out, I think the feeling was we'd probably la- seen the last of JD Spielman in a Husker uniform. And, and that saddens me. He, he was a terrific player to watch play. I mean, I really enjoyed watching JD play throughout his Husker career, and he had some terrific games for Nebraska. The all-time receiving yardage game in Husker history is his, and it will be for, I think, some time. That was against Ohio State a couple years ago. It may be hard to to beat what he put up in that game against the Buckeyes. But he had a tremendous career at Nebraska. But with each passing day, Ben, that went from whenever it was in early March, the exact time he left, and we don't know that for sure, but somewhere late February, early March, he left the team. With each passing day, you kind of had the feeling – he wasn't coming back in a Husker uniform. So when this broke today, I wasn't exactly shocked. No, in fact, I would have been surprised if it was the other result, if he did come back. I, I think, um, and I can't speak for you, but, uh, you know, we talk pretty much every day, and I don't think either of us got the sense that, that J.D. coming back was a real possibility. And, you know, my whole approach to the off season, Greg, has been Nebraska is going to go through this season without him. I haven't once imagine next year's team when I went back and watched all last year's games or you know talking to different people doing this show doing other shows not once have I was I under the assumption that JD was going to be a Husker next year when I start thinking about uh, what Nebraska is going to look like next year specifically in the wide receiver room I always just figured it was without JD I mean so this isn't a bombshell i'm not scraping to figure out okay well what what does this mean um uh, for the other guys and th- this is all stuff that you've had time to process uh you know if you're if you if you follow husker football you're around the team you, you had a feeling that this was a real possibility and that this was going to happen so um look now that now that it's finally over i think that's my first thought is i'm glad it's finally over i'm glad there's not that speculation i'm glad there's not that you know gray area in the sky and i'm also um i'm also happy that this happened before nebraska really got started um going again i i think if 
you know, this we're going to lead them on, lead lead the coaches on. Um, now, I think the coaches had a, a, a much firmer grasp on this than, than maybe we are even aware of uh, the unlikeliness that he came back. But, you know, you don't have to write him any game plans. He's not taking away practice reps from anybody else. Um, now, granted, it would have been a long, a long way away for him to, to even be on campus and doing that type of stuff, but you're not left wondering. And, and that's important for guys like Wandale. It's even, it's even more important for those younger players in the program that are going to get those snaps. Guys like Demarion Houston and Jamie Nance and, and Marcus Fleming, you know, Alante Brown, these are the guys that are actually going to be in there taking those snaps and practice and getting ready. And, and, and I think that's important too. So uh, I've been approaching this year with a mindset that J.D. wasn't going to be a part of the team. And as of today, that's the reality. Yeah, and wherever he lands, he lands. You wish him good luck. You thank him for the three years that he put in here at Nebraska. He was a very, very productive player for the Huskers uh, the last couple of years. But let, let's talk more about what that now leaves that position. And you, you look at what's not back from last year. Kind of Ianoa was one and done for Nebraska grad transfer. Mike Williams, Jerron Woodyard. Now you add in J.D. Spielman off last year's team. You have really one guy, Ben, that caught it really any passes and it's Wandale Robinson that is back Cade Warner had a couple of grabs but outside of that what are we looking at I mean you talk about instant pressure on Omar Manning it's there right it is there's no doubt and and Omar and Xavier Betts and Elante Brown and and Demarion Houston and you know all of those those guys that are going to be forced to get reps you know here's another thing to, to think about Greg you know last year you know, other than other than JD at the time, and, and we knew Wandale was going to be a, a big part of that, but you kind of had the same thing. You know, I remember being at some early practices with you, looking out at that receiver core, uh, and going because JD didn't practice a lot in the spring. Going, well, who's going to catch passes? You know, and 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 my my question is, as a fan, would you rather have guys that you've seen before? at a really inconsistent level, like a Mike Williams or a Jerron Woodyard, or would you rather have the situation that you're dealing with now with guys that you, you're not sure what they can do? I mean, what, what situation are you better off with? You know what I mean? Like, if you think about last year with, with, with Mike and Jerron, you knew they were going to be consistently inconsistent. We don't know what we're going to get with Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, and some of these other guys. We have no idea. So, you know, I think – Yes, it's it's a it's a scary situation because as you said there's only three guys on the roster who have caught a pass in a college game, but at the same time, you know, the amount of opportunities and and clean slate that these guys have could be a good thing for the offense. You know, you you better hope that, you know, they can line up in the right spots. They're they know the playbook. They can run the routes. They they can do all the things that Nebraska was inept at last year outside of one or two guys. So uh, yeah, it's scary, but I think you know having Wandale back there uh, immediately, it, he's comfortable. He's going to be just fine. And and you're right, a lot of that 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 weight is going to be felt by Omar Manning. But there's another part to this too, Greg. That we're not talking about. That's the tight end position. It's time for those guys to step up and and make some some life a little easier on those ti- on those wide receivers too. I should also throw the name Chris Hickman in there because I believe Chris Hickman's going to get shifted completely now from tight end to wide receiver and he lined up at wide receiver last year let me refresh everybody's memory because it was a big 
big wide receiving class for Nebraska. Xavier Betts, Alante Brown, Marcus Fleming, Omar Manning, Will Nixon. Another guy, coach's kid from down in Waco who's going to be in here. There's great opportunity for these young guys. And the receiving position, Ben, is something you can come in and make a pretty immediate impact. We've seen it with Wandale. Uh, we've seen it at Purdue. Look at Purdue the last two years. The Bell kid last year, Rondale Moore, two years ago, came in and were instantly jumping into this thing. So you got Manning, who's a junior college young man entering the program. And then you have some freshmen who right there, It's it, the playing time is available to them to go. I'm excited about I was excited about this group on signing day back in December when all these kids came in the fold. Now, here you go. You came here to play. Here's your opportunity to go out and grab some spots. And it's also a good recruiting pitch because I know there's a number of wide receiver targets out there for the staff for future years going, look at our cupboard. <laughs> I mean, you want to go someplace and get, you know, if you can take care of the things they need to take care of, know the playbook, that type of thing, this is a place where you can come get 100 targets a season. Now, not to say you're going to catch 100 balls, but you're going to get the ball thrown your way a lot. As long as you're, you're taking care of the things that you need to and, and meeting the expectations that we have of our receivers and of our program, there is a huge opportunity for you to go make plays through the air at a big-time university in a big-time conference. I mean, that, if I'm a recruiting coordinator, that's where I start. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's of, of all the things to pitch to an athlete, that's probably where you start. And look, I, I understand that this, it's going to be scary when we run out there, you know, hopefully against Purdue as scheduled in early September and and we're taking a first snap and other than Wandale we don't know who's going to be out there but i think in terms of physical ability to be on the field right now nebraska has a couple of those guys right now and it starts with omar i mean physically he's he's a big 10 receiver right now that that was the the hesitation with some of those guys that have redshirted that we haven't talked about the Jamie Nances the Demarion Houston's those guys needed time to get physically ready those guys needed time to get their bodies used to what going across the middle in a Big Ten game and getting your head taken off you have to get your your body in a position to be able to take those kinds of hits now you hope they take those steps forward we I guess we won't know until you know we hear the coaches kind of break them down whenever uh, camp gets started. All right, you have some thoughts about J.D.'s departure. We'd love to hear from you, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nate Klaus, Husker Online, coming up here in a couple of minutes. Nebraska did pick up a commitment over the weekend. Linebacker Seth Malcolm from Tabor, Iowa, the second young man for the state of Iowa to commit to Nebraska for the 2021 class, makes the third inside backer to commit to Nebraska. And Barrett Rood probably finishes that room off provided all the verbal commitments stay uh, through the signing period in December. But we'll get Nate's take on Seth Malcolm. Eight-man football player. Ben, that's pretty rare. You've got to go back probably 15, 16 years since Nebraska has signed an eight-man football player. Got to be challenging to break down tape on those young guys. You have to have probably seen them in some camp situations because usually when you're playing eight-man football, you're the linebacker, you're the running back or the quarterback. You're playing all kinds of positions all over the place. You and you totally love watching those eight-man championship games at Memorial Stadium. It is a different kind of football, but you can certainly see what kind of athlete you are because you're running in space a heck of a lot more. Yeah, I feel like you're, you're, you're certainly pretty well-rounded as an athlete, right? I mean, you kind of have to be to be able to, uh, to do those things necessary to, to play all those positions. 
Now, I think the one worry that some people are going to have, and, and the, probably the biggest question that Mr. Malcolm's going to face when he comes to Lincoln is a step up in competition. Um, it's it's pretty dramatic as it is from from high school to college. You you think about some of those big time programs, Greg, like Bishop Gorman in Vegas or the IMG Academies in Bradenton. Those are all Division One. Even Miami Northwestern in the Miami Dade County area. You know, you, you, that's a big time area, and, and there's a lot of Division One athletes. So, um, th- probably the the step up. It's still it's still dramatic, but it's quite the step up from from those places and those schools as it would be to eight man football in the state of Iowa. So, I think you you hope he he you know he handles it in a way that uh, that is mature. I think he un- probably understands what type of challenges in front of him. And the great thing about those kids. Greg, the, from those eight-man schools, they don't back down from challenges like that. They're not scared of it. They're, most of those guys are on farms, you know, working the 12-hour days in the summertime when it's 100-plus degrees. They don't really shy away from contact or anything like that. So I bet it's a challenge that he embraces. Um, but, you know, I think the, the the big positive here is other than Nebraska gets him, he took him away from some Big Ten schools and, you know, a state over in Iowa that, that were interested in him. Yeah, Iowa State K-State, I think, may have been his two finalists, and I know Minnesota was sniffing around as well. So, And we always talk about the offer list is usually a pretty good indicator. Malcolm had a pretty good offer list. I mean, there were a lot of Big 12, Big 10 schools that were interested in him as well, and uh, he becomes a Husker. We'll get Nate Klaus's take on that. Also, later in the hour, an NCAA subcommittee has put out a – quote, preseason calendar for college football programs to follow. It's got to be passed by the full council here in a couple of weeks, but it looks like it's pretty promising. We'll go over some of the dates of that. They are pretty interesting. Before we head to the fall, let's stay in Lincoln and chat next with James. Good evening, James. Welcome to Sports Nightly. Welcome, guys. I'm just curious on your guys' take. I mean, how do we lose a guy like that? He's been on campus here now for, for several years. He's you know, set if he would have stayed, he would have been set to have just about every receiving record that we have, um, and uh, and yet he chooses to to leave to depart. You, you talk about how, as a recruiter, you can say, "Well, our cupboard's empty, and that'll help us recruit." I'm thinking if I'm another school like Iowa, Minnesota, I'm going to say, "Here, they had a superstar athlete, and he was unhappy enough that he left." Yeah, it's a fair point. To me, um, you know, from what I, I – and look, I should preface this by saying, and I've said this before about J.D., I don't know J.D. Uh, he's one of the guys on the team that I have spent very little – I think I've interviewed him twice while he's been on campus. He's just a young man I've, I've never gotten to know. So I can't speak to, you know, his motives uh, off the field, you know, what's important to him or what he's thinking. I, I, I don't have a read even on, on him as a person, so I can't speculate on that, but – as I could maybe some other players on the team. But, you know, I think with with J.D., as you mentioned, clearly it's not an on-field situation. This isn't something that he's unhappy with his playing time, his use in the offense, um, what, whatever it is. It's clear that this is an off-the-field type issue, whether there's some rift with some coaches, he was having class issues, didn't like the professors here. I don't really know. 
I can't get into the particulars of what that might be, but Greg, it's pretty obvious. I mean, and, and James kind of laid it out there. This isn't something that isn't a fit. It's not a scheme fit. It's not a him and the offense fit. It's not how they're using him. That's a guy that was getting 15 targets a game while he was on the field and is the biggest part of our offense. So clearly there was, there was something that, uh, that was not right with his situation off the field at Nebraska that that's going to keep him away. He was on to his third position coach. You go back, he was recruited by Keith Williams, the Mike Riley wide receivers coach. Then he had Troy Walters in Nebraska for the last two years. And then Troy Walters leaves, and here comes Matt Lubick. And so he's on to his third position coach. Maybe that unsettled him at some point in time. You heard Scott Frost rave about him back in March when he made the announcement that he was, le- you know, he was stepping away from the program for a while to get some things figured out. So as far as the head coach and at least his public comments about J.D., those were glowing as well. So, James, it's a puzzling thing. And, again, you know, J.D.'s – I think a, I think J.D.'s a complicated individual, to be honest with you, and I think he's got a lot going on. Uh, I think that – and hopefully he gets it figured out and can find some, some peace in his life to go out and can, can, can t- compete for somebody in football because he's really, really good. A lot of to be joined now by – Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. He covers all the recruiting angles for HuskerOnline.com, and the Huskers picked up their ninth commitment of the 2021 class over the weekend. Seth Malcolm, a linebacker from Tabor, Iowa, just on the other side of the Nebraska border, joins us now. Nate, appreciate you jumping on board with us. What do you think of, of the Malcolm youngster? Well, I'm pretty impressed with uh, with Seth Malcolm, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. And, I mean, he's uh, he's got a complete body of work with what he's accomplished there at Fremont Mills High School um, in, in Tabor, Iowa, just just outside of Omaha, really. And I, I think when you look at it, you you kind of have to almost consider him an in-state prospect. Um, you know, much like Randolph Kapai out of uh, Sioux Falls. Um, you know, those kids that are that are right on the border basically of, of Nebraska. I think you kind of have to consider those guys in-state players. And Nebraska was the second team to offer Seth Malcolm, and, and they made him a, a pretty high priority. And, and as we know, you know, Bear Root and, and this coaching staff, they've really tried to revamp that inside linebacker position and, and add a bunch of athletic guys there. And, and I think Seth Malcolm fits pretty well. Nate, how, how hard is it to – evaluate a young guy that's playing in eight-man football compared to the 11 versus 11? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit more difficult. Um, I think you have to project a little bit more. Um, I think you have to go into the evaluation knowing that, hey, this is a kid whose feeling is probably a lot higher than that of of your traditional 11-man football prospect, whether that's even just you know just a few steps up above eight man, or, or whether that's you know the the best eleven uh, man, you know some some of these these uh, prospects that come from some of the biggest schools in the country, whether it be Texas, California, Florida, whatever. Uh, so you kind of have to go into it knowing that that uh, this is a kid that basically never comes off the football field for his team, that, that basically does everything from not just playing linebacker, but he's also the running back. He's also the kicker, the punter, the, the, the kick returner. I mean, he does everything. And so um, you have to keep that in mind when you're evaluating. But when you turn on the tape of Seth Malcolm, you see a kid that, that's 6'3", 200 pounds, uh, runs extremely well, uh, I think, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's somebody who can, who can get downhill in a hurry and, and plug a gap. 
Um, and he also is somebody that uh, that runs sideline to sideline that can cover in space. I mean, he, he checks all the boxes uh, that you're looking for out of an athlete, and he dominates the competition the way a D1 athlete should dominate uh, you know, eight-man competition. So, I mean, it's rare. We haven't seen Nebraska bring on a scholarship eight-man player, I believe, since Andrew Shanley in the 2002 class uh, coming out of St. Edwards. So uh, it doesn't happen very often, but I think Seth Malcolm's certainly one of those players that, uh, you know, is going to be able to make that transition just fine. Of the nine in the class right now, three are linebackers. You think that's it? For, for Coach Rude's group, or do you see them adding anybody else into that room? Yeah, you know, as things stand right now, assuming all three of those inside linebackers that they have committed uh, stay committed, um, I, I think that's it. You know, I think they've got room for three inside linebackers in this in this recruiting class. And, um, you know, there is maybe a little bit of a question mark surrounding – uh, Christopher Paul Jr. Uh, I think that um, you know you, you, if there's any of those three that you have to maybe keep an eye on, it would be him. Um, you know the the talented inside linebacker out of Georgia uh, is still being pursued by an awful lot of schools. And so, uh, but as of right now, I, I do think that's it. You know, I, I think that Nebraska can kind of move on and turn its attention to uh, to some other positions of need. Again, busy with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. Huskers got their ninth commitment over the weekend. Linebacker Seth Malcolm from the state of Iowa. Second guy from Iowa in this class. Um, J.D. Spielman's name obviously has been dominating the headlines. Let's talk wide receiver. The, this class does have one in Sean Hardy, who uh, committed just a couple of, well, 10 days ago uh, out of Georgia. What about that position moving forward? And is, could there be some more movement at wide receiver as far as commitments here in, in, the, in the near future? Yeah, you know, I, I think there could be. Um, Nebraska's in on a handful of really talented wide receivers that I would say that they're in pretty good position to, to eventually land a commitment from. Um, you know, one of those wide receivers is, is – uh, one of the top overall wide receiver prospects in the country, Latrell Neville, um, out of the Houston area, is uh, 6'4", 190 pounds. Um, you know, certainly kind of has that size that I think Nebraska has tried to address here over the last couple of recruiting classes. Uh, he was committed to Virginia Tech, just kind of backed off of that commitment and reopened things back up and. Um, you know, he's a player that Nebraska has been recruiting for an awful long time. And even though he was committed to the Hokies, they had not really backed off of that. I think they, they continued to stay in touch, you know, being respectful about it, of course. But, um, yeah, they've continued to, to stay in touch and with him and, and recruit him. And, and now that he's opened things back up, I, I think that Nebraska is certainly you – know, be, could be considered a leading contender for him. Um, so that's certainly someone to keep an eye on. And then also staying in the in the Houston area, uh, C.J. Guidry is an inside receiver, uh, more of a slot receiver type uh, that, that has kind of narrowed it down to three schools, and Nebraska is one of his top three. Um, he's one to keep an eye on, too. And, um, you know, kind of conversely from from um, Neville being 6'4", 190, Guidry is about 5'10", 185. He's that smaller, shiftier inside receiver. Uh, could, could do a number of different things, kind of play that duck R role potentially uh, as far as being someone who could take carries out of the backfield and also work out of the slot. So, you know, those are probably two of the top wide receiver options that Nebraska has on the board in terms 
terms of uh, you know two players that I could see committing to to uh, the Huskers here pretty soon, and um, there's an awful lot of others too, and and I think that. You know, as we've seen over uh, you know, over the past few years under Scott Frost, there's always some guys that that may not be on the public's radar that uh, that Nebraska has positioned themselves pretty well with too. So uh, it wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple couple other names out there that uh, that we aren't just quite familiar with that that could pop up at any point in time as well. Nate, you mentioned a couple of guys from the state of Texas. Is there is there a renewed interest from the Nebraska standpoint in trying to get into that state a little bit more? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, the, that has been a state that Nebraska hasn't necessarily consistently pulled a ton of numbers out of here over the last, not just under Scott Frost, but really here over the last probably five five plus years or more. And, uh, and that has been an area I think the staff has wanted to try and address and, and try to get back into, especially in the Dallas and Houston areas. Um, you know, Ryan Held has been doing a really good job covering the Dallas uh, Metroplex area. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Greg Austin is from from the Houston area, uh, and he has a lot of connections down there, and, and, and he's kind of been the point man for a lot of prospects in the Houston area. So, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, over time, I think that's still – an area where Nebraska can can be productive and, and pull players out of out of Texas and specifically in in those two talent rich areas. Again, visit with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com here on Sports Nightly. One of the things, and I've seen it on some of your message boards, is people are speculating: could this be a year Nebraska takes two quarterbacks in a class? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Heinrich Harburg is the, the going to be the lone scholarship quarterback in this class. Now, however, there was an, an offer that went out to uh, to uh, a quarterback out of Massachusetts, kind of a prep school out in Massachusetts, uh, a, a kid by the name of Jackson. Burkhalter, uh, he now that was uh, have been able to confirm that was a walk-on offer uh, that was that was given out, and a lot of times, you know, when a kid will say, well, "I've been, you know, excited to be um, offered by Nebraska." Sometimes um, you have to, you know, there's no differentiation by the kid in terms of whether or not that was a full scholarship offer or if that was kind of a, a walk-on offer, a preferred walk-on offer, or whatever you want to call it. And, and uh, have come to find out that that was uh, a walk-on offer, um, you know, so they're definitely wanting to add another quarterback in the class, but uh, more of a walk-on type of quarterback instead of uh, bringing in two scholarship QBs because the numbers are going to be limited in this 2021 class, so at least smaller than what we've seen over the past two or three classes under Scott Frost. So I, I think that they want to, you know, continue to, to bring in the, the, the best quality uh, scholarship players that they can, but also kind of supplement that with the, the best walk-ons that they can get as well. Nate, we're, we're used to – July or June being really active. Usually you have the Friday Night Light camps. Those have been postponed this year because of COVID. Uh, usually you have a rash of commitments. Malcolm is the first one in this month of June. Do you anticipate, even without the camps, a couple of more coming through the door here before the 4th of July weekend? Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. I was Actually, I was just having this conversation with my wife the other night that Usually I'm out on the road following the coaches around on their satellite camp tour, you know, going from from Georgia, you know, through through Florida and, and the south and, and, uh, and then heading back home and, and catching the, uh, the Friday Night Lights camps and everything. So it's kind of weird not – 
not doing that this year. But um, and you're right that traditionally June is the month where where Nebraska's recruiting classes really just explode. Um, you know, and you usually have a lot of people in for Friday Night Lights camp. We we saw them bring a lot of people in for the the pipeline offensive line defensive line camp last year and um you know and, and they kind of piggyback some official visits off of those big uh, events and and that's just not going to happen this year but i do think that we are going to see a handful of commits potentially happen you know um you know as this month progresses i, I don't think that it's going to be completely stagnant with the ncaa kind of extending out that the recruiting dead period now to the end of july i think a lot of players that may have been on the fence with uh with a handful of schools um you know but wanted to take those visits um i think those i think those players are now going to be making a decision instead of waiting uh, and i think from talking with players like that is the fear is that they're going to miss out on on their on their top school because they fill up uh, because programs all across the country are are accepting commitments even though a lot of these players have not visited um, you know and, and it's kind of put the recruits in a in a you know in a bad situation uh, where maybe they want to, they're going to have to speed up their process. Um, a little bit more than they had wanted to initially. So I do think that we could see Nebraska um, pull a couple more, maybe two, three, four more commits in the month of June as as uh, the days go by. All right, last thing. What's going on with T.J. Bowlers? It looks like he's been tweeting some cryptic stuff here in the last week or so. Is he close to making a decision here? What do you, What's your gut say? Yeah, you know, I, I think he is close to, to making a decision. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin has been kind of that leader for him for a while now. And, uh, you know, he had, he, you know, he's one of those recruits that I think had wanted to take all of his official visits. And, and Nebraska was one of those places that was set to get one of those officials, as was Wisconsin and, and a handful of other schools. Um, you know, but he's kind of – He's kind of making it, if you read the tea leaves on social media, which is awful difficult to do sometimes with some of these recruits, mm-hmm. he's made it uh, He's made it kind of seem like he's nearing a decision. And, um, you know, and if I had to guess right now, I would say Wisconsin is the, the odds-on favorite to land his commitment. But, um, you know, he is very close with an awful lot of, uh, you know, recruits that Nebraska is after, an awful lot of recruits that Nebraska has committed, um, most notably Henry Latovsky, who's also from Iowa. Um, you know, they they train together. They go fishing together. Um, you know, that's a really good connection. And, uh, by the way, you know, he's, he's really, really close with Eric Chenander and, and the whole coaching staff, too. I think Eric Chenander has done a terrific job of recruiting the state of Iowa uh, since he's been here, and, and we're kind of seeing the – uh, the fruits of that labor kind of pay off here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I would I would say right now Wisconsin is probably the favorite. Well, Nate, great stuff. It's been a while since we've caught up. Good to hear your voice. Uh, appreciate all the efforts and work and following you in the gang on HuskerOnline.com. I know it's it's a busy month. Hopefully you can stay cool. Hopefully, hopefully Huskers get some names coming through the door here in the next few weeks. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Greg. Evan Bland is with us here tonight. He writes... For the Omaha World Herald, you can read his work online at omaha.com. Covers Husker football and baseball. Let's start, and Evan, I hope you're doing well. Let's start with the JD news. Were you surprised when you heard that earlier today? Hey, Greg. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that it was 
a shocker by any means. I mean, I feel like when Coach Frost said in March that J.D. was uh, stepping away from the team for a, a personal health matter, uh, and, you know, you kind of talk to some folks behind the scenes, it kind of felt like the writing was maybe on the wall a little bit then. Um, you know, the, the coaching staff had held out hope that maybe they would get him back. Obviously, he's a productive member of the team. He was the leading receiver for them in 2019. Um, so, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things where it's hard, I think, for a for any student-athlete to stay somewhere for five years now. That would have been what J.D. did had he uh, stayed, given that he redshirted in 2016. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of follow him on social media. And he, you know, his, his mind, is, I think, is oftentimes elsewhere. It's on some of the bigger, you know, bigger picture uh, issues going on in the world. Um, you know, he, he can very much be around football, given that his dad is the GM of the Minnesota Vikings. And so, you know, I think there were just a lot of different little things. It, sometimes it's hard to say, right, because he doesn't do a lot of interviews. But I think from kind of the outside looking in, it felt like there were a lot of little things that maybe stacked up. And, you know, ultimately it looked like uh, for both Nebraska and for J.D., maybe that now is the time for them to go on and uh, go their own ways. And I think it will probably be best for both sides in the end. Evan, how how do you view that position now? I mean, it's skinny on experience. Wandale Robinson, really about the only guy that's made many catches at this level. How do you view that wide receiver spot? Yeah, I mean, it's it's wide open, isn't it, Greg? I mean, Cade Warner would be kind of the, the veteran walk-on of the group, too. But, yeah, I mean, he wasn't slated to be here in the spring. Obviously, they were going to have four scholarship receivers at that point. And, and Wandale, like, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, most experienced guy, he spent most of the year playing running back out of necessity. So, wide open room. And so, I think now the the shift in focus really turns to this incoming group. I mean, my goodness, what a, what an opportunity for this incoming group. I think we all know about Omar Manning and what he can maybe do on the outside, given Nebraska, that big bodied receiver that it hasn't had in a long time. The Betts will be coming to town. Alante Brown through two practices in March was already, you know, turning some heads, uh, you know, inside the locker room with what he was doing. Marcus Fleming is another true freshman who was a, a burner out of the state of Florida. I mean, one of the top handful of guys uh, in terms of, in terms of the hundred yard dash out of that state, which is mighty impressive. And then Will Nixon, kind of a uh, kind of that duck R guy in the mold of, of what Wondell Robinson can do too. So really interesting freshman class and. You know, beyond that, just a handful of guys that they have coming back uh, on scholarship too. Jamie Nance, can he take that next step? Demarion Houston. And then, of course, factor in, uh, you know, just the, the idea that this whole room has a new coach and Matt Lubick who's coming in. And so, you know, in some ways, this position is ta- is just going through a total reset. New coach, new players, not a ton of experience really anywhere. And so, uh, you know, a lot of the talk in the offseason with Matt Lubick's hire was he was an extension of Coach Frost. They had a lot of uh, similar philosophies they were on the same page with terminology and all this and man if ever that were to you know come into play and benefit a team in transition it feels like this might be that situation Evan Bland's with us from the Omaha World Herald also you can read his work online at omaha.com you cover I mentioned you cover football and baseball of the Huskers for the Omaha World Herald you've also been doing a lot of stories about dunking the basketball what what, what what's, what's this all about Oh yeah, uh, totally. Uh, you know, total versatility here on my part, writing about <laughs> basketball. No, 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a fun story over the weekend just looking at that uh, 2021 class for Nebraska up to, uh, you know, nine, I believe, commits now with Seth Malcolm out of Fremont Mills in Western Iowa committing over the weekend. But it's, a, it's been a really interesting class to follow because you have some guys that really prefer to stay under the radar, but you also have a handful of guys who, uh, as far as I can recall, are peer recruiting and interacting more publicly than really any recent Nebraska class I can think of. And so you got, uh, you know, Heinrich Harbarg out of Kearney Catholic, who's the quarterback. He's kind of taken the, uh, I would say the reins over as kind of the leader of that, of that peer recruiting. You can see what he does on social media, interacting with other recruits and with uh, some of the targets that Nebraska is going after. And um, so he was actually the guy who came up with their latest uh, kind of venture into engaging other players. And so uh, I think as a lot of Husker fans know, there are uh, a number of targets out there that Nebraska wants. Thomas Fedoni is probably right at the top of that list, a tight end from Lewis Central High School and Council Bluffs. And so, you know, uh, Harbaugh essentially engaged him on social media and said, hey, we're, we're going to have a, a dunking contest and, you know, post your best dunks and we'll see what the fans can say and they'll get involved. And so, uh, you know, to hear him tell it, Fedoni went outside at his friend's house that very night and started posting dunks. And Harbaugh said, oh, you know, oh boy, you know, this guy's going to show me up if I don't get out there right now and get some of my own, you know, slams out there for people to see. And so he got that going. Henry Latusky is another Nebraska commit who put out a couple. Teddy Prohaska out of Elkhorn South also uh, kind of threw down a little bit. And so, um, you know, you're just seeing Marcus and Bo is another uh, target offensive lineman out of Wisconsin who kind of got in this. And there's just a lot of trash talk going on. You know, is the hoop really 10 feet tall? You know, oh, you know, can't you come up with something a little more creative than just a, a straight finish? You know, things like that. So, um, you know, just one of those cool things where official visits aren't being allowed right now. Um, there are not a lot of ways for players to get to know each other and to, to be social. And so this is something I think that fans appreciated um, and that ultimately, you know, maybe a tiebreaker for some of these recruits down the line and these Nebraska targets who maybe have been to a lot of schools, but maybe they don't have that, uh, you know, that camaraderie or that rapport with some of their fellow 2021 peers. So just kind of a cool thing as this class develops where you can really see relationships build and maybe potentially a few extra recruits coming on board who could help Nebraska down the line. I love it. It just seemed showing kids being kids, and that was what was fun about the whole thing. And a couple of those guys even were doing like a fishing contest at one point in time. That might have even been the polar bear who's on campus now with his incoming class. It was a part of that, but it was a it was a fun read. I'd encourage people to go and check that out. I've mentioned baseball twice. You also cover Husker baseball. It certainly got short shifted this past spring with the shutdown with the COVID nineteen. It's also affected these guys trying to find places to play this summer. You did a deep dive into that last week what'd you find out yeah it was uh you know just one of those things where in a normal year uh players would be getting ready to head out you know we'd be into college world series preview type mode this week and and if your team wasn't All playing right. uh <laughs> then you'd be heading out to a, a summer league and kind of getting settled in with a host family doing that sort of thing well you know in nebraska's case uh in talking with their volunteer assistant danny marcuso who coordinates that stuff he said yeah they were they were done by february they had everybody who had to, to play in the summer set um, but as we know with the COVID 19 pandemic a lot of those summer leagues closed uh, some were still indefinite and so 
<laughs> there was kind of a mad scramble there over the last couple of months that still, to my knowledge, hasn't quite finished out yet where Nebraska, as well as a lot of Division One programs across the country, are trying to find at-bats, find innings for their players. I mean, if you're you're missing out essentially on most of a spring of development, you don't want to miss out on the summer, too. And so some of these leagues are closed. I think Marcuso estimated maybe 70% of summer leagues have already been shuttered here for the summer. And so just kind of an example of, uh, you know, some behind-the-scenes work that the coaching staff has to do. Um, you know, th- this is the sort of thing that could, you know, bleed over into 2021, I think, of a guy like – Joe Acker a couple of years ago who got a ton of summer ABs and coaches in the fall said, man, this is a different guy coming back. And so that's what you want as a program is to get your guys out there. Maybe in some instances, help them build up some confidence and have some success. Maybe in other instances, learn how to fail a little bit and see what some elite level competition is like and how you can bounce back from, you know, an O for four night or, or getting maybe beat around on the mound or whatever it might be. And so uh, it looks like, you know, Nebraska's roughly 25 or so players are going to get slotted. And uh, as of a few days ago, anyway, all but four had been. So I think that's a promising sign for Nebraska when you're talking about coming back in the fall uh, and getting ready for next season that most of these guys, it's like at least will have the chance to get out and get back on the diamond and maybe take that next step in their development. Which is which is really big, particularly for guys who didn't get, and this year it's everybody, didn't get many innings on the mound or many ABs. It, it's it's skimpy though, right? A lot of these leagues have folded up and said they're not going to go, and so the the opportunities were really rare to try to. Well, who who was Danny Marcuso the one that was kind of helping place these guys in some of these leagues? Yeah, yep, he was. He was, uh, you know, he I think will be happy to maybe move on to the next step in life after <laughs> yeah. uh, after this thing is set. But yeah, he he was kind of that guy. Um, you know, I think one thing that probably played to Nebraska's favor was that the Northwoods League is going to continue. It looks like uh, right around the, the early early part of July is when that thing will get going. Um, I think they had 10 Huskers who were slated to go to that. That's long been a popular league for Nebraska and players, too. And, uh, you know, otherwise you just kind of have a handful of guys all over the country. You take what you can get at this point, honestly. I mean, um you know, like I mentioned, sometimes coaches kind of go into the season and say, you know, we really would like this guy to, to succeed this summer. We would really, really like to challenge this guy. I mean, at this point, it's just, hey, do you have a spot? And it's so fluid, not just on Nebraska's end, but on the other end, too, where some of these programs might one day say, hey, we're full. And on the next day or two, they'll say, yeah, we got a couple spots because, you know, maybe a host family fell through or a kid was a senior and decided that he was going to move on to that next step in his life. I think that's the other thing is, you know, these guys aren't used to placing seniors who will either usually get drafted or move on with life or whatever it might be. So that was kind of the other part of this thing. And, and I think now that we're already into getting close on to mid June, uh, the situation's finally starting to settle a little bit. And, you know, I think uh, Nebraska has got about most of the guys place that they want to have placed. Very good. Another good read by Evan. It's up at Omaha.com. All right, sir, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, you know, Ben McLaughlin's about to, j- to jump in the same boat that you, you've been in the last six weeks, and that's taking care of a newborn. Ben's headed in with his wife tomorrow night to induce, and you're fairly fresh uh, with diapers flying around your house, aren't you? Oh, man, that's right. It's, you know, it's Sleep has been tough to come by, and I would just tell Ben, man, 
sleep when the baby sleeps because <laughs> I, I, you have that temptation to get work done when they sleep, but then when you want to sleep, it's not going to happen. So I would just say in the short term, don't plan on being terribly productive. <laughs> Very good. Evan, we always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Greg. Have a good one. Sports Highly Baseball League brought to you by Dorothy Lynch. Homestyle and light and lean dressing. We're coming down the stretch, Ben. We've hit the month of September in SNBL, and the pennant races are heating up. Final week of the regular season. The end is near for a good chunk of the league uh, and for two of our eight user teams. Um, standings, interesting in the AL West. I think the Mammoths have it all but wrapped up. They will be uh, the number one seed. They will be the first team to 100 wins. They're at 98 right now, so uh, hasn't happened yet, but they're well on the way. And then they, in our division, the NL East, things are tightening it up. I think you got a two-and-a-half game lead on the Farmers. I think uh, I'm six back or something like that, so I, I'm, I'm likely not going to win the division. But the Farmers are right on your heels. But you're big outlaw fans for the next few weeks, Greg, because I've got six with the Nebraska Farmers before uh, before the end of the season. Well, now, what's what's uh, Josh's lead? Isn't it only like three and a half over the line? I think, or is I think it it's five and a half. Five is and a half it? or six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Josh oh. has five and a half on Nate, who's got a game and a half on Oh, him. yeah. That's over then. So the battle is for who's going to get home feel for the wild card. Right, Austin? That's it. Nate's got a game and a half on me, and that's looking like your uh, AL wild card matchup because Brett's a handful of games behind me. So he's still yeah, he in done. it. He's but... done. We called it. Ben and I called that months ago. <laughs> you did. That you did. I'm pretty sure it's mathematically impossible for uh, for for Brett to make the playoffs. Pretty sure. What are we at? We have like 15 regular season games left, something like that. We're going to speed our way through and be done with it on Friday, start our playoffs next week. Uh, so of the user teams, Brett's going to come up short, and the Cthulhu's, Tim's team's also going to come up short. They're going to try and play spoiler to your Harriers tomorrow. Greg, they they've got uh, they've got a battle with with Hickman tomorrow. They're playing a lot better. This is mm-hmm. the, this is the best record they've had all year in terms of winning percentage. I think they're what Austin like twelve games above five hundred. So. I believe they're eighty and sixty seven. Not bad. Sixty seven, thirteen. Yeah, not they're bad. not messing around right now. Yeah. Now they've had some injuries coming down the stretch. Like I think Grinky got hurt for them here. We just saw that maybe even today at the end of the stream today for that, but. Um, this has been a lot of fun, and we've had more and more people jump on board and join the chat room when we do this. Where every morning, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m., we go live with, we generally go through three games, and we just have a lot of fun. We talk about a wide variety of things as we get through that chat room. Today, you guys got into a lot of football talk. Yeah, the JD news actually broke while, while we were on, and it's great being able to get the fans' perspective. They get to know us away from just our jobs, you know, just. We talk a lot about, you know, just our, our personalities, our day-to-day lives, and, of course, Huskers, too. It's it's much more laid back and informal, uh, sports nightly, and just kind of us just hanging out with the fans. So it's a good time. I mean, even if you're not into baseball or the SNBL, you know, to just come chat Huskers with us and t- interact with other fans, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been cool seeing um, people join in from all different parts of the state and even outside the state, too. So... Uh, it's a good good opportunity to come in and just hang out with us and, uh, yeah, talk Huskers or talk whatever you want, whether it be sports or otherwise. 
had a newbie in there today. First time he'd been a part of the SNBL and was having a good time with us. How are the playoffs going to work? Are they, they Do they mirror the MLB playoffs? Yeah, so they do. Uh, there'll be a wild card game, which we pretty much have the matchups set right now. And then uh, after that, we, we think it's going to go to uh, the winners of the wild card will go play the best record. So even though the wild card winners will likely have right around 100 wins, if not 100 wins, they're going to have to go play um, the best team. So in this case, we're just going to assume it ended today, the Harriers or, or the Mammoths. So, um, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to... <laughs> to see the uh you know a a computer team make it to the cs round even though we all know those teams aren't worthy so i think (laughs) i think it are it is going to emulate uh emulate the uh the the major league playoffs and we're we're still working on how we're going to do it but at least we've got wild card monday figured out we're just going to do the two wild card games a week from today and then we'll kind of figure out figure out the schedule after that all right um Austin, do we? You're with me tomorrow. You and I are hosting the stream beginning at eleven. Do we know our lineup of games for tomorrow? We know the lineup. No pitching matchups yet. Still deciding on those. But the three games Ben mentioned: the the Harriers Cthulhu's game that leads us off right at eleven. Game two of the day, we're in the American League West, a Lions Mammoths matchup in Minneapolis, and then back to the NL East for Game three. We have Outlaws Farmers. All right. I heard you guys today. You've already pegged it. It's going to be the mammoths and the farmers, you said. Austin, you may not have been a part of that. But they, that's how J- Ben and Josh have it is the mammoths and the farmers in the finals, and, and they might be right. They very well could be, but I think they're, they're underrating the league's two best teams. I think the rowboats and the Harriers have been you know, pretty solid, and they'll turn it on here <laughs> late. So I'll just be the contrarian and go with that as my matchup. Austin, who, would, who are you planning on starting in your wild card game? I'm going to throw left-handed Jacob DeGrom. I still like his stuff better than anyone else. I thought he got hurt. That's why he's throwing left-handed. <laughs> what? I still trust Jacob DeGrom's stuff. I mean, that's the guy I want out there. If that doesn't work, though, I will probably, probably go with Clevenger. Okay. So it would be what? Clevenger against, I don't even know who Nate's ace is anymore. It's got to be J.B. Wendelkin, right? Nate's got to go bullpen <laughs> yeah, no. game. No, <laughs> no, it's not him. Ben, you, you, uh, you, if it stopped right now, and it doesn't, I still think the Farmers can overtake me. But if it is the Farmers and the Outlaws, you're going to see somebody pretty good on that other mound. Yeah, Garrett Cole's back. So that's, that's bad news for me. The good news is we rocked Garrett Cole the last time yeah? we faced him. So well, hopefully that uh, – that inspires the boys who have been uh, some up but mostly down this year. It's hard to believe that, that we're about to be – we could potentially be a 100-win ball club with the amount of inconsistency that we've shown. But uh, I've been saying the last, the last week and a half in real time, so month and a half, we, all of our preparation has been going into the wild card, wild card game. We're already thinking about how our lineup's going to be structured, how our pitching is going to be lined up, and we're just going to throw everything we have at, at whoever's in front of us. See, I just have faith you're going to take out the Farmers in that wild card game. They'll be you done. got faith, huh? Out of here. That would be so nice if that was yeah. the case, but we'll see. <laughs> well, come join us every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. We get going on the uh, stream. You can access that by uh, finding us off of our Twitter page. we got the address there. Our Twitch is where we pull all those up. We have a good time with that and get into all kinds of topics some of them are even sports-related. It's time for this week's Weekend Winners. Ben, what do you got? 
Yeah, my winners are uh, multiple winners. It's everybody that has sent well wishes, has showered baby McLaughlin with uh, with gifts, and uh, just sent positive vibes our way for this week and offered any advice. Um, it's a huge week. There's been so many people that have reached out and um, and offered their support. So it's making this chaotic, stressful time a little easier to deal with, knowing so many people are in our corner. But um, one thing's for sure: whenever, whenever she does arrive, she'll have she'll have plenty of stuff. Thanks to the great family and friends in our lives. So, shout out to everybody that's helped us, or even just sent a nice note. We're uh, we're blessed to have you all. Very cool. You gonna keep us posted? I'll do my best. Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's in the parameters of of what is and isn't allowed in the hospital, I will I'll do whatever I can. <laughs> all right, Austin. Winner for me is Legion Baseball. We've talked about pro baseball having issues getting back, but Legion Baseball has a week of practice in as of yeah. now. They started a week ago. Doesn't seem to be any issues. I know my my middle brother uh, has his last year. He's young enough to come back for one more one more go around. He didn't get that ripped away. My youngest brother made the seniors team, so they'll get they'll get one more season to play together. And Legion Baseball still seems on. They're ten days away from when you can have first pitch. There don't seem to be any hiccups through the first week, and I think that's an awesome sign. Fantastic. I am with you. So happy for those young folks that get a chance to get some of their summer in. And as Ben's talked about a couple of different times, some of your, your greatest memories of growing up are hanging out with your buddies and your pals, whether you're playing baseball, softball, soccer, whatever it is. I, I'm so happy for that uh, to be going on. All right. My story's a really cool one. My, my winner is Forrest Fenn. Now, Forrest Fenn is an art dealer and an author. Years ago, guys, he hid a chest somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, a treasure chest full of gold, jewelry, other valuables. It's net worth over a million dollars. And he dropped out clues of where the chest was. Over the weekend, the chest was found. He posted on his website, the search is over. The person who found it did not want to be identified uh, he I mentioned that he's an author. He he inspired these treasure hunters by putting out a book, and the and in within this poem that he wrote in a book, he detailed where the treasure was. It was quote It was under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains, and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than ten years ago. That treasure chest got found over the weekend. How cool a story is that? Wow. That's amazing. It sounds a lot like that show Outer Banks that I watched on Netflix, uh, basically a searching for treasure, but really, uh, except in real life. Uh, man, I think I think that's that's kind of deep down on all of our wish list to go tr- hunt down some treasure and and find a chest and become rich off of that. I think that's a really really admirable thing to do. And man, shout out to the people that found that because their their lives are changed now. Ten years, a little over ten years, people have been searching for that chest. And it got found over the weekend. Somebody back east, they said. So somebody came out looking for it. You just wonder how many man hours went into that and how many people went looking for that and felt like they had a chance to go find that baby. Showed up to the Rocky Mountains with shovels and (laughs) metal detectors and everything else trying to hunt that thing down. That's a cool thing. Kind of a throwback, right, to like the old pirate time where they all found maps and felt like they were going to go out and find the treasure in some deserted island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Big time. Big time effort from that, from those people. Cool, cool deal. All right, uh, that'll put uh, a wrap on this hour again. The big headline of the day, J.D. Spillman put his name officially at the transfer portal 
and uh, not going to finish his career as a Husker. And as Evan Bland pointed out earlier in the hour, this would have been his fifth year on campus at Nebraska. He redshirted his first year, then had three really good seasons for the Cornhuskers, ma- made his way up into the top ten in most of the receiving charts. It's going to be a blow for Nebraska, but th- with one door closes, a bunch open. And for guys like Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Will Nixon, uh, going down the line, Alante Brown, there's going to be playing time out there, snaps made available to that Husker uh, wide receiving core. They're going to have a chance to go get it. It'll be fun. Competition usually breeds something. It'll be fun to watch that group go to work, Ben, here in the next month. Yeah, go take advantage of your opportunity and go make a name for yourself. That's why you come to a place like Nebraska and play in a Scott Frost offense and make plays. Now you've been given that opportunity. Very good. Good hour. Again, thanks to Evan Bland for spending some time with us. Some really good stories. What about all those incoming recruits showing videos of them dunking and also an update on Husker baseball. Where are some of those guys going to be going during the summer months? All that right here on this hour. It's more timely.